Welcome to Better Than Nothing. What you are about to hear is just me being able to speak with some amazing people that come from many walks of life. This episode is the second part of a story of a farm family in central Kansas that is growing and processing industrial hemp. When I worked in Hutchinson and Wichita, Kansas in the 1980s, we knew of ditchweed, but called it poor man's marijuana because it was very low in THC and was originally used for rope or other fiber products during World War II when the Japanese cut our supply line to get sisal out of the tropics. Hemp was a bad guy ever since DuPont invented nylon and saw the natural fiber as a competitor to their synthetic. Laws were passed in the 1930s to make growing any kind of hemp or marijuana illegal. The war changed that for its duration, but in 1945 the plant just grew in ditches from then till now. What was old is new again, as legalization of marijuana with very high THC levels was adopted in several states. The value of hemp as a fiber has long been known. It can be made into many products of normal life. Henry Ford tried to use hemp and soybeans to make cars in the era before plastics made from petroleum products took over the industry. Starting with the question of why can't hemp be grown as an agricultural crop, the federal government put a provision in the last farm bill and several states have now given the green light to growing hemp for purposes that have nothing to do with their cannabinoid properties of improved varieties of marijuana. I learned to say cannabinoid from Melissa Nelson Baldwin, a farming partner in Circle K Farms near Great Bend, Kansas. She's a 32-year-old research scientist. Melissa farms with her husband Aaron and brother-in-law Richard. I have a couple of videos on Facebook of Melissa talking about industrial hemp in my Ken Root account. Here's the audio portion of a video interview with Melissa back in September. My name is Melissa Nelson Baldwin and I am co-owner of South Bend Industrial Hemp in Great Bend, Kansas. Who are you farming with and how long have you been doing hemp? We are basically three entities. We have Performance Crop Research. I'm a crop research scientist and I work with developmental products and bringing those to market. Uh, the two other co-owners of South Bend Industrial Hemp are Aaron and Richard Baldwin, my husband and brother-in-law, and they are fourth generation farmers with Circle K Farming Partnership. And then we have South Bend Industrial Hemp, which is the three of us combined. How many crops do you grow? We grow about a half of a dozen. Our main crops are corn, wheat, soy, milo, and industrial hemp. How did you get into the hemp projects? We were just looking for a way to diversify our farm. Uh, crop prices were extremely low in 2018, and so we saw it as another avenue and revenue source for our farm. Your, your husband indicated that he, he thought it was more of a good idea than you did when it started. So how did, how did it get started? When him and Richard originally thought of this idea and brought it to me, because in Kansas in 2019, the licenses were research licenses. And so I was an integral part of that research license and filling out the paperwork and being able to do the back inside with the state and achieving those licenses. When they originally brought the idea to me, I 
didn't really think hemp had a lot of merit within the state. I really didn't like the direction that it was headed. And honestly, it was because I was uneducated. You know, I directly correlated hemp with marijuana. I did not realize the differences. So once I started educating myself, that is one of the reasons I'm very passionate about education, farm tours, and really just letting the public realize the potential of industrial hemp because I know I was misinformed. In saying that, what's going to happen later today in your statement that you are a part of uh, leading tours and informing the public and educating people? Yeah, so we do over 100 tours on our farm every every season. So basically from April through October. And we actually have a group of high schoolers coming for a crop productions class. Tell me that background of yours, educational background. I have my bachelor's in biology and my master's in agriculture. Uh, I'm a crop research scientist. So what I do is I work on small plots and in any crop that you can grow in Kansas. I'm independent and clients hire me to collect data on whatever product that they're developing and would like to submit to the EPA. The hemp crop, once you walk, walk up on it, it's a big, tall crop. Um, so there's a lot of biomass, but if you go to just industrial, what can you do with all that biomass? So there's a lot of different things that you can do. Um, we don't really call it biomass because that is more of the cannabinoid side of the industry. But when you're talking in terms of industrial hemp, you can utilize fiber production, the, which is the outside of the stalk. You can use the inside of the stalk, which is the herd. And then you can also utilize the grain, which are the seeds that are produced at the top of the plant. If you have any questions, you know where to find us, South Bend Industrial Hemp on Facebook, South Bend Hemp on Instagram, or southbendindustrialhemp.com. This week, I want to devote the remainder of the podcast to interviews with Aaron and Richard. What do they think of the crop? Will it work in rotation in their area? What about processing it and selling into a developing market? Here are my interviews with the brothers, starting with Aaron and then Richard. Aaron Baldwin, you are a member of this uh, farming operation. Um, what do you consider your major role to be? Uh, I'm partners with my brother, um, Richard, on our family farm. We're fourth generation farmers. Um, we took over uh, complete operations about five years ago. As my mo mother retired, she's basically landlord now. So um, we control and operate the family farm solely between my brother and I so what's the background here on this I think there's a case dealership in the background isn't there yeah so uh, actually the farm was in my stepdad's family and and he was basically you know father to us um, growing up so uh, it it's it's he's dad so but um yeah we've just been been farming since then we were uh, he was a large uh, investor and in, in part of the case dealership that was here years ago, um, Straub International. And, and so um, really just uh, true-blooded red American farming is, is really been in, in our roots. How did you prep yourself uh, from high school forward to come back to the farm? Was this an, a natural evolution? Did you go out and do something else, go to college? What would you do? Yeah, I le left for college. Um, at first, I'd didn't think I was going to come back. Um, didn't. My plan was I was actually an art major. Um, starting off in college was going to do graphic design or, or something like that. But realized that 
that was going to entail living probably in a big city somewhere or whatnot. And, and it just, uh, you know, I got a little older and decided, you know, that wasn't really exactly what I wanted to do, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so I was actually off the farm for quite a few years. My father was in a car accident and, uh, was actually, uh, paralyzed, was quadriplegic, uh, after that accident so I I came back my Richard my younger brother was still on the farm so I came back to just do you know what a guy would do make sure things are happening getting done and, and just help take care of things and and just uh never left so um just decided you know this was where I needed to be it was wanted to take care of things and and help my mother take care of things and help my brother take care of things and here we are all right, here's the challenging question. I'm smiling before I ask it. How did you meet and marry Melissa? <laughs> um, pure luck. <laughs> uh, it was actually, it really was just kind of, kind of luck. Uh, through through some mutual friends of ours, uh, Melissa was over in Larner, the town about uh, 25 miles from here, uh, working at a crop research facility over there. Um, she coached basketball with a friend of mine's wife who are farmers over there and happened to have um, what they call shed party, you know, a pre-harvest party. And, and we're just over there roasting hog and maybe drinking a beer. I don't really remember or not. But uh, we just both happened to be there at the same time. And just, you know, I think she was just, you know, naturally attracted to me and, you know, you could, couldn't shake her since. You got everything. Yeah. <laughs> It really was just she, she just, you know, was a small town girl from northeast Kansas that was uh, graduated college and was working over <clears throat> over that uh, research facility. And so, yeah, it was just really kind of dumb luck, honestly. How long have you been married? Five years. So your farming operation was established. She came into the farming operation with you and your brother. How was it to have her with that personality, step into your farming operation? Did, did she immediately become an equal? Did she have to work her way up? We all just like to consider ourselves equal. I mean, you have the technical, you know, positions in the companies and stuff. So so technically, the farming operation is, is my brother and I. Um, and then Mel has her own research facility. And then South Bend Industrial Hemp is a third partnership equally. So... Technically, you know, we, we kind of have our, our separate entities, but, um, you know, she just was a natural. It, it were, it's just amazing how everything we do kind of mingles together and molds together. Everything complements each other, all the, the different entities we have. Um, she was always more than willing to just jump in and help in any way she could on the farm, um, help with harvest, help with, you know, planting, seasoning. She even... Um, helps run our there's nothing on the farm she can't run you know equipment wise so we just we just do what it takes to get done and and so it was just all really a natural fit so landesitis is some hemp I learned a great deal about it yesterday this industrial hemp it's about seven or eight feet long got a stem about a three-eighths of an inch in diameter and it seems to be edging in to be a bigger part of your operation how did it ever get started that you were you raised a single stalk of it? Well, um, from the very very beginning, uh, 
you know, uh, we were actually at a conference um, years. It would have been in 2018, I think. And there was a guy selling CBD oil. And this was a fitness type deal. I was into some fitness competitions and stuff. So we were at this deal. And I just, me being me and I guess having the gift of gab is what everybody says. But um, I, I was visiting with this guy about the CBD oils and, and the benefits and, and the nutritional benefits and all this. And, and then as we started talking more, obviously I knew this came from a plant and had to be grown and was thinking, um, first thing was, Hey, you know, maybe this is something that we can use on our farm to diversify the farm, to help, you know, uh, reduce some risk or help, you know, create you know, better cash crop, cash income. So just looking at it from that aspect is, was really intriguing to me, not so much to Melissa, um, Richard was pretty on board um, with it. It's very out of out of the box at that time. We just did research, and I, you know, I encouraged Melissa to research it. She she just still wasn't super interested in it. She just kind of kept thinking in the back of her mind, you know, marijuana, and you know, we're not we're not growing that, we're not doing that. And, but um, as we saw the benefits of the plant and what it, it, the industrial side of it can do, um, the grain and fiber side is where we were always really focused because uh, it can be large scale. It can be, you know, work in a, a farmer's crop rotation. So we just researched and decided, hey, let, let's give it a shot. Let's, you know, start small and see if it's something we could do. And, and it's really just stuck. We just really are passionate about it. And it was something we really feel is a good answer for any any type of farm operation tell me about growing this hemp crop and it would seem to me you're on a learning curve with the few number of years you have but you learn most things in the early years and then you just keep repeating them it seems like in agriculture after that what have you learned and do you like to grow the crop yeah it's definitely challenging we've learned a lot we've learned a lot of what to do and learn just probably as much of what not to do um, it, it's so new and so, um, well, maybe unregulated uh, for lack of a better term, but um, we've had to do so much research and be very diligent on, on where we get our, our seed stock, where, you know, what kind of varieties we grow, what, who, who we work with, who is, you know, a real player in the industry, <coughs> who is trustworthy and, and, you know, kind of who can stick to the word and do what they say they're going to do. Um, we've basically kind of had to mold ourselves into all those people ourselves, which is fine. You know, it's, it's how we can push the industry forward. But, but growing the plant starts with finding a buyer, which is not very typical in normal farming practices. You grow corn, you know you haul it, you've got a buyer. You haul it to the co-op, you haul it to a feed yard, an ethanol plant. Same with beans, you know, you grow the crop, you contract it, the co-op will buy it or, you know, there there's an outlet for it. Not so much in hemp. So it doesn't really start with the physical growing of the plant. It starts with having a plan for the plant. And then once you have that established, finding the right genetics, it's it's a uh, that's tough to do, but we're working very hard on that uh, in Kansas and all across the United States, really, with a lot of trials and and um, seed trials that, that that's going on. So it grows very heartily. Um, that's one thing we like about it is it, it can be successful crop with limited water. 
Um, just like anything, though, if, if you have water and can put water and nitrogen to it, it will grow better. But, but it is an option if you're limited on some of those inputs. So um, it's, it's really just uh, getting, getting it in the ground, getting a good, like most crops, getting a good establishment, getting a good stand. Uh, the biggest challenge after that is that there's, there's no herbicides we can use. There's no over-the-top uh, herbicides labeled or really anything that if it was labeled, anything that would really work. Um, there's no um, Roundup Ready type hemp or anything to where we can control broadleaf weeds. So that's a big challenge to where we really utilize cover crop um, early early planting times and you know our, our density, a heavy population density to, to get canopy right away. Take me through, if you wouldn't mind, the seasonal numbers or the, the times within the year that you would be planting and then harvesting. This does work nice in our operation because we, we, plan to, we aim to plant early. It'll germinate at about 42 degrees, which is very nice because we can get, get it in the ground before we're even planting soybeans or corn. So time-wise, time that's very nice. We're going to look next year at even planting all the way in early, uh, as in February, and do some time-planting-based time trials. So we can do that, get it in the ground early before we're planting anything else. And then in the same token, we hope that it's ready to harvest. Uh, we've already harvested our seed stock and our fiber, so and now we're rolling on the corn. So it works nice to where we can um, fit it into the time schedule with the other crops. So you're saying that in early September, you, if you plant early, you can harvest in September? Yeah, yeah, correct. What about production cost? Um, and I'm not trying to make you just you know open your books on it, but does it have to have much production cost or is the cost of inputs directly related to the volume of output? Um, well, just like anything, yeah, you, you know, you're fertilizer programs and nutrient programs and anything you uh, put towards it are going to affect your output. Um, those are pretty standard. Um, we, we really kind of compare it to, to dryland corn or, or a corn type crop that in our nutrient needs, nitrogen and whatnot. Um, seed costs are really kind of minimal overall. One big benefit is kind of a double-edged sword it's a benefit but we would rather have the expenses there's no expense in herbicides you know once it's planted once it's in the ground if you're on irrigated ground you can water it if not then you're really that's it because there's there's no herbicide costs well melissa showed me that if it's planted early and it gets a start it'll shade out the weeds and that's the key to keeping it growing in that case as far as combining it is it uh Challenging? Is it an oil seed? You know, some people are growing canola and they fight that canola pretty hard to get it combined. Is it somewhat similar to that? Yeah, it is. Would be considered an oil seed, um, and and the fact that we harvest it a little bit early, we're harvesting a green a green plant. That grain at harvest is going to be about twenty percent moisture. The overall matter um, mass that we're running through the combine with form material and everything is going to be in your thirties. Uh, just because we are harvesting it, uh, the, this plant head does not mature all all at once like like a corn ear would or like a Milo would, just because of the genetics of the plant right now. Um, hopefully, as we go on, that changes. But it, it is a little bit challenging. Uh, but it's it's 
this is the second year we've harvested a large amount of seed grain and it really went fairly smooth one thing that we do that that is kind of a bottleneck is that we will clean the grain right out of the combine before we put it in the dryer just so we're not drying all that extra foreign material uh, that that's a makes a big difference it, it slows us down a little but it's it's a necessary process it's a two-pass process as i understand it you come through first and get the the grain then you come back and you get the fiber yeah right now you know that's one thing we really push and that's what a lot of farmers don't realize or or they hear is that you know we can do we can farm this crop with traditional equipment we're, we're not utilizing any special equipment on our farm to, to grow this hemp crop we're bringing in our our regular uh, combine setting it up for small grain type basically settings uh, harvesting and then coming back and, and we'll lay down the fiber with with a sickle type swather or a uh, like a just a sickle mower um, we like the sickle mowers because we're not we don't have to run that fiber through conditioners we don't want to run it through conditioners we want to want it to uh, not be uh, crimped because um, that will affect the quality of the fiber. One other question, and that is on how you guys sit down and work together. It appears to me you do, but what is it? Do you run this like a business? Do you run this like a family? Well, I honestly feel like we're very, very fortunate that we do work very well together as, as family. That's, you know, not always the case um, on some places. Uh, but we do, we, we run it, we are family, but we do run it like a business. We, we sit down every Monday, we, we have meetings, uh, crop meetings, and, and um, our agronomist comes in after he scouts fields and stuff, and we sit down every week, we have, um, we go over those reports, and then we make our plans for the week and make decisions like you would in, in a normal business. Um, but at the end of the day, too, you know, it's very flexible, and that's what makes this so great is it, that we can, you know, run it as a business, but we're family and can have a lot of fun doing it as well. Melissa is not your average person in any aspect that I have seen, and you come to a family farming operation to where that you have uh, traditionally had men making most of the decisions. Now you've got a woman in there that's quite uh, capable of making all of them, if you'll let her. Uh, I wonder your observations. I know she may be able to hear you, but how has it been, um, at just just male female wise, to have this relationship with a dynamic person like her? It's uh, it's very untraditional. Um, you're right. You know, Mel is is definitely a special person. That's what to me is is so appealing and and is so attractive is that she is you know she is very much a woman but she can very much hold her own in a man's world and that to me is very impressive she's come a long ways uh, I've always encouraged her I've always taken pride in in helping her get to that position and supporting her in what she does because she she is uh, very dominant in in a, a typical male industry but she is, is so smart and so determined that, you know, she's, she's not going to let any of that hold her back. And that is what is very impressive. Um, yeah, it can be challenging some, sometimes, but, mo you know, 99% of the time it's, it's, it's very, very fun and very impressive to watch her work. 
finally, do you, where do you see this hemp business with you guys in 10 years? Well, that's a tough one. Well, it's not really tough. It's, it's a, sometimes I feel like we're maybe too modest or sometimes I feel like we think that, um, I guess I'll just say that we want to see this thing be huge. We want to see this thing be all the way across the United States. We want to develop a a community of farmers and growers that that can grow this crop and make money at it and improve their lands and improve their operations and and at the same time know they have a place to sell this crop at at a processing facility or at a group of processors and get it moved. We wanted to see this be a crop that goes into the rotation and just like anything else, but we want to see South Bend um, be the leaders in that or one of the leaders in that and and just uh, never look back. Thank you very much for talking with me, Aaron. Absolutely. Richard, you're a partner in this farming operation. I am a family farmer guy, yes. We, we've been farming. I've been farming since I was 12 years old. And it is your chosen occupation. Did you ever go off the farm and do anything else? I did. I spent some time, um, spent some time in college, a uh, short stint there. Didn't really figure it out it wasn't my thing. So after that, I came back and farmed a little bit, and then, then I thought, uh, then I thought I'd move away because I didn't know if I wanted to farm. I moved away and spent a year away on the East Coast, and then I really decided that that's not the place for me. The farm, the farm was where I wanted to be. What's your family situation? You have wife, children? I have a wife, two kids. One's. My son, he's 26, and my daughter's 19. You guys hold your age awfully well here. My gosh, you don't look old enough to have a child 10, let alone 26. That's that's what a lot of people tell me. It's uh, I don't know what it is, but I sure feel older than I look. Is there a fountain of youth out here you're drinking out of? No, no, just the tap from the farm. It says that a woman can keep you young, and there's a woman in this operation that it's sure to have some effect on you. Yeah, she uh, she likes to uh, she likes to keep us going. Uh, sometimes, if we're not moving fast enough, she'll tell you. How did it work for your brother to bring her into the family farming operation? Well, she's she's um, she's a crop scientist, um, so we've kind of once we started this hemp venture, it, it, it worked out well because. The way the bill was wrote for, Can- you know, the way it worked in Kansas is uh, it was all going to be research. So that kind of hit the nail on the head for us. She she had the research license, and we were able to, to run with that. So I guess we'll just jump to hemp since your brother's kind of outlined what all you do on the farm, and you are integral to that. What did you think of hemp as an industrial crop for you to grow when you first heard about it? I was all in from the get-go. Hemp's, hemp's been, you know, something interesting to me for a long time. When the industrial deal came along, actually, we, we were excited about the CBD first. You know, that was a super fast-growing industry. We knew that we could 
grow hemp. We grow other plants, and it's just a plant. So you put it, put the seed in the ground, and it comes. You just got to manage it in between. So we knew we could grow it, and I I was interested in it. And then we started getting to the fiber, and and just knew we could scale it up pretty quick. In the overall look at this crop, do you see that it could fit in as if there's a market for it, a rotational crop that would actually augment the crops you're already growing? Yes, um, there's there's always room for something different on your farm. You just got to figure out what type and variety you can grow. You know, based on your on your position in the country, based on on you know your soil type and stuff. This this crop is is a great rotation for for the mainstream crops it and i think it'll continue to grow for 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 everybody do you uh do you talk to growers uh and uh, do they self-select coming to you or do you go out and pitch them to to grow hemp and in general what's their reaction good and bad on their ability to grow this crop um you know, we do both. I, I get growers that call me for advice on on things that they could do or do a little bit better. And then we also have a, uh, we hold a growers meeting for anybody interested in starting to grow this. So we do both. Um, we do have, um, we're, Generally, all of our growers have been pretty successful, but with the drought this year, we've had a couple that that uh, were not so successful. And it's it's part of the game. It's it's you're going to have that same kind of deal with with conventional crops. There's there's milo and soybeans and corn that have all failed this year because of the drought. So it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you got when it's this dry, it's going to fail. But as a crop. Um, it doesn't sound highly technical for you to to plant it uh, to prep plant it and and grow it um, so do you see a, a pretty high level of success once people get through the learning curve I think there will be you know our our very first year was a failure our second year was a high success our third year was a success our fourth year so far is a su- success um, it's I think it'll be once once they get unscared of putting this crop in the ground. I think that it'll take off and go. Um, it's it's not that hard to grow. When I talked to your brother, he said, "Well, the first thing you got to do with this crop is sell it." <laughs> do you consider that an issue as well? I do. Um, for the growers that are thinking about getting in yes you need to figure out where you're going to sell it before you do anything that way you have a plan of where to go you know unfortunately and fortunately that has happened to us several times and that's how we got in the position we're in we've uh we had a crop and we were we had it sold and it uh the buyer backed out and so we ended up buying the machinery to process this crop ourselves so 
have a plan. First, first part of your plan is to have a plan, in my opinion. So, Once you uh, have got this crop to the harvest stage, uh, do you, as a technical farmer, see that that is a critical time to be able to keep it from shattering or get it all mowed down at the right time or do any of the other aspects that have to be done in a timely fashion? Yes. When it comes to seed harvest, there is a, there's a window there for shattering. It, it'll, it's, it's very delicately on, you know, held onto the head. So there is some shatter issue there um, in a time frame. Uh, fiber, you just, you, if you're going to just put down straight fiber, you can really put that down whenever you're happy with the height and length. Um, but, uh, and the other thing is timeliness with your, with your THC levels. You have to, you have to meet the state's requirement. So you want to get it before you go over the requirement. Um, as far as baling this stuff, I see you're favoring round bales and it looks like that works in your processing plant, but is baling it challenging as big as these sticks are? Well, you know, we don't have a baler. We usually have somebody do that. Baling's really not something we do on the farm, so we usually have it custom done, but so far our balers have not really said it's a big challenge. You know, pretty much they've come in and put it, you know, we'll windrow it for them and they come in and bail it up and never really have any complaints. Wrap up here. Where do you see yourselves 10 years from now in this business? I hope we see ourselves just still growing. We would like to, we'd like to start putting up some more, um, some more processing plants or helping people get processing plants put up because the bottleneck is still in processing. We know guys can grow it and grow a lot of it, but the processing still the bottleneck to get, to get it from the farmer to the manufacturer. So in 10 years, we'd like to be helping people get processing plants built or building processing plants ourselves so, so that uh, so this, this deal can just keep growing. We're sitting here in the fall of 21, late September. Uh, it's dry out here. Uh, how do you think you're, uh, or what's going through your head on harvest and planting wheat? I think harvest is going to be, the numbers are going to be down a little bit. It's going to be a little bit tougher conditions to harvest in. Um, corn's looking like we got some spongy cob. Um, soybeans have, soybeans have matured early. Um, Milo's, Milo's a little light on the head. Wheat, if you got it, you know, We'll be drilling weed on the irrigation, but I don't know what we'll be putting in dry land without any rain. It's We'd either dust it in and pray or, or wait on a rain. Well, thank you very much for talking to me, Richard. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for your hospitality and of all your family, and good luck this fall, and be safe. Thank you. I want to thank the Baldwin family for their hospitality. I found them. 
I paid my own way to drive 600 miles and spend two nights in hotels. I can't do many stories like this without sponsors for the podcast, but I, like Melissa, need to show the value of the product before others buy in. I hope you find this new crop interesting. Melissa has strong social media presence, so follow her for future developments. SouthBendIndustrialHemp.com is a place to start. As an indicator, watch for hemp products to begin appearing in the marketplace from construction materials to cosmetics to food. At that point, you'll know it has a chance of succeeding. Thanks for listening to Better Than Nothing. If you'd like to tell me your thoughts or relate your memories, send an email to kenroot at gmail.com. We'll try to put out one of these every week, and you can sign up with your podcast service to be reminded when the next one's available. As I now turn 73 years old, I've decided to have two kinds of days, good ones and great ones. See you next week for another episode of Better Than Nothing.